Well, with that, I welcome you to CRC, the place to be. If it's your first time here, welcome. Pray God touches you tonight. Amen. Welcome you on behalf of our senior pastors, Pastor Clive and Sharon, to this place. Our amazing pastors are over east in Queensland, ministering the gospel at a conference there, preaching a fire, preaching a storm. And as such, because they're away, they asked the B team to come in, you know, the substitute replacement is to come share a word and this is why I'm here right now. So if you don't like it, come back next week and you'll hear our amazing pastors preaching the gospel. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. With that, you would have been given this card, just some preliminaries I shared this morning. Faith offering. We're taking up a faith offering for the kids' church. Our kids' church Sunday mornings is absolutely exploding with children. Just amazing what's happening there. And we want to upgrade. So I'm asking you, you know, commit, write something down, pledge something. And when we do offering at the end, you can put this in the basket. Amen. Amen. Well, I see some of you are quiet here tonight. You're going to be loud, hopefully, by the end of it. Amen. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Be loud for Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I might as well just get into it. Who's ready for part two? Part two. Part two. Title of the sermon started with Breaking Satanic Cycles. Breaking Satanic Cycles. Breaking Satanic Cycles. Quick recap. And then we're going to get, get into it, and then we're going to pray at the end, and I'm going to trust God to do something in the hearts of people, in their lives tonight, in your life. Amen. Quick recap. So we looked, we started in the, the book of Judges, and we saw the people of God, how they were held in this system of oppression. They weren't just going through a bad time, but they were, were caught in systemic oppression. For seven years, every time it was harvest time, the enemy would come and steal the harvest. What that points to is it didn't matter what they tried to do, they couldn't get out of this place, this negative place, this place of oppression they were in. The enemy strategically moved against them to annihilate them and bring them to the point, the Bible says, where they were impoverished. They were destitute. They were broken. No matter what they tried to do, they could not get out of it. They became people that lived in caves and dens. A broken people. Caught in a cycle of oppression. Sometimes that's where we get caught into in our lives, in different places. We find cycles, patterns of oppression, patterns of brokenness. Where you, where you at a low in life and you do all that you can do to rise up, to get up. You get your courage back again. You start praying again. You, do, you work on your marriage, whatever. You work hard on your business. And something aligns strategically against you. An oppressive force, evil you would call it that, when you're about to have the breakthrough, bam, steps in, intercepts, and you find yourself back at a low point. Ever been there? 
You're trying to break out of the sin, the addiction. And it's like you're doing all that you can do and you get in there. And just as you're about to have the breakthrough, it's like something happens to take you straight back down again. And you get caught in this place where you feel you can never get out. This is what a satanic cycle is. I dealt with it a lot this morning, if you want to hear more about that. But it's a place where it doesn't matter how hard you try, you can't get out. Systemic oppression. Systemic oppression is what the people of God were in. They were a low place, a broken place. And so the whole point of the ministry from this morning and tonight is how do we break satanic cycles? Maybe it's in your life personally or in your family or maybe we see it in a city. Or it's the people of God that are in some negative cycle. As you rise in, you find this pattern in your life. You are rising, something happens and bam, there you go down again. You fall again. Does that resonate with anybody here tonight? I just want to know if I'm speaking to somebody that might have seen this before, might have felt this, or maybe you're at this point in your life. You come to the point of giving up hope. You withdraw. You back down. Hopeless. But the good news is, Jesus is King. Amen. And just like with the Israelites who destroyed the Midianites, the Midianites who were oppressing them. So it is in your life. You're going to overcome. You're going to conquer. Amen. You're not going to stay in that low place. Why? Because Jesus is with you. God is with you. Jesus has died and resurrected for you. Come on. You are not destined to stay in that low place. Sometimes it's poverty. You see cycles of poverty in families, in neighborhoods. Well, if Jesus has entered your life, I'm here to tell you, you're not destined to stay there. You are not destined to stay in that addiction. You are not destined to stay in that place of failure in your life. Thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph. Greater is He that is with me than he that is in the world, the forces in the world. Amen? So that's the good news. So we will see this, we read this in the book of Judges chapter 6. I want to jump a few hundred years into the future, into the book of Isaiah. And I want to give you a snapshot of how God really wants one's life to be. Us as the people of God, how He wants our lives to be. I want to give you a snapshot. Sometimes the worst thing about being down for so long when there's been repetitive failure in your life, is that you lose your vision. You lose your vision of a better future. You lose your vision of what you can do for God. You lose that hope. Amen? The Bible says where there's no vision, prophetic vision, the people perish. So this is how God wants our lives to be. Isaiah chapter 9, we jump in a few hundred years into the future. The prophet Isaiah is speaking. God is speaking through him. And this is what the word says. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. Hallelujah. They rejoice before you. God wants you in a position of joy, a place of joy. Does that sound good as opposed to depression, anxiety, and fear? He wants you to have joy. That's the kind of state he wants you to be in. 
You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. What were the Midianites stealing every time? The harvest. I know some of you, are, you weren't here this morning. It's okay. You're going to catch up quickly. The harvest kept on being stolen from the people of God. The harvest was their key to the breakthrough. They rejoice according to the joy of harvest. The harvest, the breakthrough, amen. I prophesy to somebody's life tonight that the joy is coming, amen. Joy comes in the morning and it's going to be the joy of harvest, the joy of breakthrough. You've been in that cycle for so long, but the joy of harvest, of breakthrough, of coming through, of making it through is coming upon you, amen. That no longer will depression be your portion in life. Some of you are looking at me with big eyes. Don't worry. The people I'm speaking to, you know what I'm talking about. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. 4 verse 4. You have broken the yoke, the chain, uh, that thing that goes around the oxen's neck. You have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. As in the day of Midian. A few hundred years into the future, the prophet paints the picture of what it looked like for the Israelites when they came out of this oppressive system, out of the cycle of oppression and this impoverishment. They became a people filled with joy, a people filled with hope, a people that had harvest, that had breakthrough, no longer locked into that poverty that they were in, into that defeated uh, mindset and state and depression they were constantly in. This is what God wants for your life. Child of God, this is what He wants. Breakthrough. This is the prophetic vision. This is the vision that God has for us. People filled with joy because of harvest. Isn't that good? Amen? Okay, great. Now we're going to go back to the story. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 10 again. We're just recapping here. I'm about to get into the next things. How do we actually break these cycles? So let's just recap. The prophet says, Also I say to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites. Do not fear the false gods in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in opera, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press, wheat is that symbol of harvest. In order to hide it from the Midianites, the enemy, the oppressor, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, "The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor." And Gideon said to him, "Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all His miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt?" But now the Lord has forsaken and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you and you will defeat the Midianites. There's one man. The first thing we spoke about this morning, when God wants to break us out of that cycle of oppression, of failure, 
is he has to get rid of that unbelief, that broken identity. And this is what Gideon had, where he says, I'm the weakest and the least. God has to get rid of this mindset that says the Lord has forsaken me. Because when you've been in failure and defeat and oppression for so long, in that sickness for so long, in that anxiety for so long, you get to a point where you say the only way this could have happened over this time is if God left me. The Lord has forsaken me. That was the rational response, the logical response. But God had to show him something different. God had to remind him, tell him over and over again, the Lord is with you. I am with you. I have sent you. I know it looks bad. I know for years you've been facing this failure, the cycle of defeat, but the Lord is with you. God has to break this mindset of Gideon if Gideon is to rise and be the man that will break the cycle of oppression for the Israelites. It's the first thing the Lord has to deal with. I said it this morning, you know, when you study poverty and the cycles of poverty, what you find is, it's what the, the, the scholarship is, the literature says, the biggest effect of that cyclical poverty is a broken identity. When you believe God has rejected you, you ultimately reject yourself. Because if God's rejected you, it doesn't matter who accepts you. But the converse is true as well. If God has accepted you, it doesn't matter who rejects you. And the good news is God hasn't rejected you. He's chosen you. He's called you child of God. He loves you. So if God loves you, it doesn't matter who hates you. <laughs> I mean, you might look at me and think, man, what did, this guy's an idiot speaking. Hey, God loves me. Your opinion means nothing. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Right? If God has called me, how relevant is your opinion if you don't like my preaching? The last time somebody said, stop preaching, it doesn't suit you. I was in, um, <laughs> I was in Bloemfontein in South Africa, and we were ministering on the streets, and a prostitute came up to me and said, stop preaching. It doesn't suit you. And all my friends laughed. So if you're saying that, that's your company. Amen. <laughs> that's not a joke. <laughs> if God has accepted you and called you and chosen you, doesn't matter who despises you, who stands against you. But exactly the converse, if you believe God has rejected you, it doesn't matter how many people come up to you and tell you about the potential you have. The whole world can see the gift in you have, the ability you have. But if you believe God has rejected you and you get to the point of Gideon where you're like, I'm the weakest, the least. It doesn't matter what anybody else says of you. So what position are you in tonight? The place where you actually believe God is with you? God has chosen you? Or are you at that place tonight where you say, Man, the only reason, only way I could have been going through all of this brokenness, all of this hurt, all of this pain over these years is because God has left me. God has forsaken me. There's more people than you realize that are like this. There's nothing to be scoffed at. 
to be shunned. When somebody feels like this, Gideon, the mighty man of God, one of the greatest conquerors you find in the Bible, was at that position where he genuinely believed the Lord had forsaken the whole of Israel. And he believed that he was the least and the weakest. So you might be in this, that place tonight and you might have got there because of the constant pressure and oppression and failure and what you've been feeling and what you've been going through and what's come against you year after year. Well, I'm here to remind you, my brother and sister, God has not left you. He has not left you. He has not left you. Even through the abuse, He has not left you. Even through the sickness, He has not left you. Even through the bankruptcy, He has not left you. Just like He never left His people through that oppression. He never left them. He was with them. And when you begin to realize that, you begin to see yourself differently. The way Gideon, he had to change his perspective of himself. That he wasn't the least and the weakest, but he was who God said he was. A mighty man of courage. Can you believe that? He has a man who genuinely believed he was the least and weakest. Yet when God looked at him, God saw a mighty man of valor. Many times that's exactly the state we are in. We think we're the least, the weakest. We can't do it. We don't have the education. But when God looks at us, He sees the potential on the inside of us. He sees who we really are. And you have a choice to make if you're going to break out of that cycle, out of that mediocrity and failure. Whether you continue to believe the lie that you are nothing or you start to see yourself through heaven's eyes. You see, before Israel could retake the land from the Midianites, this mindset had to be dealt with. It's the very mindset that kept Israel a few hundred years back from possessing the promised land. You go back a few hundred years God called them to possess this land that they were now running away from into dens and caves. And God says to them, when Joshua was in command, go take the land. The spies go to the land and they say there are giants in the land. Too many issues, too many problems. But worse than that, they say they look like giants. And the giants saw us as grasshoppers. And we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. We saw ourselves as nothing. As nothing. And because of that, that generation died out in unbelief till a new generation came and possessed the promised land. It's the first thing that needs to be removed if you're going to get out of that cycle. Do you believe God is with you? And what do you believe about yourself? Do you believe about yourself what God says about you, what he knows about you. Let me say a radical statement. Many times, self-doubt is simply unbelief in God covered by religious humility. Sometimes, self-doubt is actually unbelief in God. Oh, how can that be? Because if God looks at you and says, conqueror, and you return with a comment that says, no, failure. Who are you actually doubting? Who are you actually doubting? If God looks at you and says, washed, clean, pure, you look at yourself and you say, sinner. Who are you actually doubting? 
Sometimes self-doubt is nothing but unbelief in God dressed up as humility. Oh, I'm nothing. I can't do anything. And you think it's humility. No, it's unbelief. Because when the Israelites said, we see ourselves as grasshoppers, God responds, unbelief. It's the first thing that needs to change, my brother and sister. The first thing that needs to shift. Because if that doesn't shift, we can't progress and do what we need to do to break the cycle of oppression. That false identity, that broken identity, that place of hopelessness where you believe God has left you will keep you there forever. And every time God comes to you and says, I have better for you. The thoughts I think towards you, good thoughts. You go back to that cave of unbelief, that cave of doubt, of self-doubt, of self-deprecation. Beating yourself over the head because of the mistakes you made yesterday. So God comes to radically challenge Gideon's whole state of affairs, his mindset, his faith. Rearrange it all so he can step out and do what he needs to do to break the cycle. Are you ready to see the next two things that Gideon has to do? What needs to happen in our lives to break the cycle? You ready? Somebody ready? Okay. Is this too deep? Is it going over somebody's head? Are you with me tonight? Amen. Are you, are you with me? Some of you, you think to yourself right now, I'm not in any cycle. No, no, you're actually in a cycle of mediocrity sometimes. You're caught in that place. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that to denigrate anybody. Sometimes we're caught in a cycle of mediocrity, of comfort, of average. When God has called us for so much more. Sometimes God has called you for so much more, but you're living in that comfort, mediocrity. You think you're fine. No, you're caught in a cycle, my brother and sister. It's just a more deceptive cycle that keeps you happy. So what does he have to do? So God comes and he says these amazing things that he's going to be with him. Gideon will destroy the Midianites as one man. Verse 22. Now Gideon perceived that it, it was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You will not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it's still in opera of the Abysrites. Verse 25. Once we shift our heart and mind and we realize God is with us and I am who God has called me to be, who is destined me to be, this is what needs to happen. Verse 25, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Tear down that idol, that false god, and cut down the wooden image, the goddess Asherah, that is beside it. And build an altar of the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. And make a sacrifice there. Make a sacrifice with the wood of the image, the wood of the idol that you cut down. I love that. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. 
Let me remind you, we read it. The angel of the Lord comes, or the prophet earlier, and said, the reason you're in this mess, one of the reasons is because you feared the gods of this world. And so what God gets Gideon to do now, the first thing he gets Gideon to do is face that fear. To face the very thing that the whole nation was afraid of. The first thing God gets Gideon to do is tear down the idol, the statue of those gods. Now some of you might think this was nothing. What he was doing when he did this, he was actually facing death. Let's read. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down and the wooden image, Asherah, that goddess was beside it cut down. The bull was offered. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? When they inquired, they asked, they said, it's Gideon. He has done this. The men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die. Because he's torn down these altars. The first thing God gets Gideon to do, remember, this is how we're breaking out of cycles, is to face head on that fear. Fear will enslave you. Fear will keep you in that cycle. Fear will keep you there. The Bible's very clear that Jesus came to set people who were slaves to the fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2. If you're going to break out of that cycle, you're going to have to face the fear. That fear that plagues you and says you'll never get healed. That fear that plagues you of the accusation of your past. That fear that plagues you that if you step out to do business again, you're going to go bankrupt again. You're going to fail again. Fear that if you open up to somebody, they're going to betray you again. That fear will keep you a slave the rest of your life. And the first thing God gets Gideon to do is face his fear head on. You cannot run from demons. You cannot run. You have to face them. You can't hide from it. If you want to break out of the cycle, you're going to have to face that which you fear. Otherwise, you will constantly be a slave your whole life to fear. I mean, some of us, I mean, we're even scared to write something contentious on social media because of what our people might react. Right? Gideon had to do something that would lead to the possibility of death. He had to face even the fear of death at this point. It's the first thing that God gets him to do. I don't know what it might be right now in your life. There might be something that, sum, that is the sum total of your fears. Maybe it's a person. A person that you've been avoiding. A conversation you've been avoiding. A memory that you are suppressing. A reality in the future, a possibility in the future that you're constantly trying to hide from. 
And while you live in this state, you live as a slave. And you will live in that cycle. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. God has called us to be free from fear. He's actually called us as His people to be fearless. It's one of the things that blows my mind about the Scripture. How often it says, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Fearless. But how many Christians live in fear, are afraid? Oh, I can't tell that person about Jesus. Why not? I'm afraid. They might reject me. I can't start that business. Why not? I'm afraid I might fail and lose the money. I can't try again in that relationship. Why not? I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt again. Fear. Fear. Fear will enslave you, my brother and sister. Whatever it is, you're going to have to face it. The first thing God gets Gideon to do is face his fear. And you see, that's why before God asked Gideon to do this, God has to sit with Gideon and remind him that he's a mighty man of valor and tell him, that God will be with him always. You see, because if you don't believe God is with you and you don't truly understand who you are, you are never going to get the courage to face your fear. But when you know God is with you, when you truly believe God is with you, you're going to step up and face whatever's been haunting you, whatever's been terrorizing you, Because God is with you. Amen. Verse 33. Then all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the east gathered together. And they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. So despite all that has happened in this story so far, we get to the high point where it's actually looking worse than before. You have an army of over 100,000 people now encamped right there to attack and demolish Israel again. And that's sometimes how it is. You're facing your fears. You're standing on the Word of God. But in the natural, everything looks worse. So what is the final thing tonight? Once we faced our fears, we realize God is with us, who we are in Christ, and we're willing to face even death to get out of the cycle that we're in, to do what God has called us to do. What is that final thing that is needed to break the cycle, the satanic cycle? Verse 34. So 33, the enemies, they are ready to attack. In verse 34, but, somebody say but. You know, when you read in the scriptures a but, it's a good time. It's a juxtaposition, that's what we call it. But, despite the whole enemy encamped, despite what it looked like, 
on the outside. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. My brother and sister, that which breaks the cycle ultimately is the anointing. The anointing. Isaiah 10, 27. We jump to Isaiah again. I'm teaching you. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. Remember chapter 9, Isaiah? Breaking the yoke, the oppression. This oppression, this yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. What God wants to do with your life and this is where we're going to end the bank and come up because we're going to start to pray soon. God wants to pour His anointing upon you. His power, His presence, and His Spirit upon you so that you might break every chain, that you might fight every lie and every giant and face every enemy that has been oppressing you and holding your family down, your people down. God comes once he's dealt with Gideon's fear and Gideon's inferiority. He then comes to Gideon because he's ready and puts his anointing and spirit upon him. Isaiah 61, the spirit of God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What you need to press into is not your own power, but God's power. God wants to anoint you just like he did with Gideon. Put His presence upon you. Put His life upon you. And empower you to fulfill the mission. Acts 10.38 God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing those who were oppressed of the devil. How many times I see people trying to break out of whatever cycle they're in, in their own strength, in their own power, in their own ability. Yes, you need to believe God is with you and you can do it. But it's ultimately His power that's going to make the change. Not by might, nor by power, the Word says, but by His Spirit. His Spirit. Home cell leader, you're in a place where that home cell's not changing. You need the anointing. The anointing will change everything. God's Spirit upon you. And truth be told, I realize a lot of Christians have not accessed God's power. They have not pressed into God's anointing, God's Spirit that will make the change, uh, change and break every chain. God wants to anoint you. He wants to put His Spirit upon you. But He wants to do it for a purpose. So that you might go and defeat the enemy. That you might step up out of that place. I realize I speak about the anointed and some people have no clue what I'm talking about. They have no clue. They've never experienced God's power upon their life. They've never experienced God's presence upon them working to make a change. God deals with you internally, removing the fear, the doubt, so that He can put His presence and power upon you. Because if the fear and the doubt remains, it will suffocate God's power on your life. You could have the greatest gift of healing to heal the sick. But if on the inside, 
you are filled with doubt and fear, you will never lay hands on a sick person. You could have God's power and ability upon you to do mighty things, but if on the inside you are filled with fear and doubt, you will never step out. So God comes to deal with you on the inside and then He puts His power upon you to make it a reality. The moment God's power came upon Gideon, an army gathered around him. Instantly. When God's power comes upon you, things change. Things happen. But you have to hunger and thirst and get yourself ready for God's power on your life. If God's anointing is on you, I'm telling you, there is no chain, there is no devil, there is no opposition that can stand against you. Because God's power and ability is greater than anything in the world. The yoke, the chain, the oppression is broken because of God's anointing. His spirit. But while you're relying on your own education and your own knowledge, you're going nowhere. Because you cannot cast a devil out with your education, your PhD. And I'm educated, man. I got two degrees. I'm getting my third one. Just saying that I'm not against education. But I realize it can't cast the devil out. It can't break chains. It can't heal the sick. It can't, win, it can't save souls. You cannot save a soul with your reasoning. You cannot save a soul with your good looks. The harassment, the suicidal thoughts that are oppressing you, it's broken because of the anointing, God's Spirit that comes. If you don't hunger for God's Spirit, I can't help you. Then you're hungering for something in the world. That will not make the change. A bottle of alcohol, that spirit, will get you filled with the wrong spirits. That is not going to heal you. It's just going to numb you. But the Spirit of God, the Bible says when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will prophesy and be turned into another person. The moment the Spirit came upon Gideon, he was changed <laughs> radically. When God's Spirit comes upon you, you will be turned into another person. And God wants to put His Spirit upon you, put His anointing, His fire upon you. Some of you, you've been staying in the same place year after year, year after year in that cycle of mediocrity. And maybe you, you know God is with you. You know God loves you. You're not fearing anything, but you're still stuck in the cycle because you don't hunger for God's Spirit and presence and anointing. That will turn you into the person He's called you to be. If you're desperate to break out of that cycle, get desperate for God's anointing, for His presence. Flies don't sit on a hot plate. The devil's not going to sit on you while you have fire for God. Maybe that's just the way I can liken it. The anointing. Just catch fire for God, man. Dead Christianity with no power in your life is useless. You will remain the same. Because this is not a dead religion. It's not a ritual. You want to break out of that addiction. 
press into God's anointing, His Spirit. Cry out for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Call out to God for His presence and His power on your life. But some of you, you do have the anointing upon you, but you haven't dealt with the fear. And while God's anointing is upon you, you are hiding in a cave because of fear. So every person is different sitting here tonight. Every situation is different. That's why I'm going through all these points. Because some people are rarely anointed. The power of God is upon them. The Spirit of God is upon them. But they're trapped in fear. They're trapped in inferiority. They're trapped believing that God's not with them. And they never do anything despite the heavenly potential that rests on their life. So you have to come to the point as I've been preaching this morning and tonight. Where are you? What do you need to deal with? What do you need to shift? Maybe you're not in a cycle, but there's other people in a cycle that you need to break out of, uh, break them out of that place. If a brother and sister is caught in generational poverty, how are we going to break them out? If you know someone, what are you going to do? If somebody's demon possessed, what are you going to do to cast it out? Amen. What are you, what are you going to do? We can't be Christians that just live in comfort and because I'm fine, because my bank balance is okay, because I've got a warm bed, I can live in a mediocre state. Nobody gets rewards in heaven for that. So the mandate is on every person, every child of God to become anointed, to get filled with the Holy Spirit, to become fearless, understand that God is with them, filled with that inner strength so they can go liberate others. You see, what's been stolen constantly was the harvest. And Jesus speaks about the harvest, the wheat and the tares. That harvest is a harvest of souls. There is a harvest of souls, my brother and sister. A harvest of souls. A harvest of souls that need to be saved. That need to be won. That's constantly stolen by the enemy. Stolen by a demonic culture. Stolen by oppression that is locked away. God is calling His people to liberate them. To win souls. When last did you lead somebody to Jesus, my brother and sister? When last did you lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Jesus said, this is what will happen if we believe. When last did you lay hands on someone who was tormented mentally and seen them being delivered? You are anointed for a purpose. Jesus, God, anointed Gideon for a purpose to liberate the Israelites God anoints you for a purpose, to make a difference in this world, to break other people out of the cycle, out of the chains. Man, there's a whole city that is in a satanic cycle that is locked by a culture, by oppression. We have a state that lives in fear. We have one of the most fearful states in the world, a people locked. And it's up to us, the people of God, to become fearless press into the presence of God and make a difference. Liberate the people 
that are oppressed by the devil. Like Jesus who was anointed with power and the Holy Spirit. Healing those oppressed by the devil. God has called you, brother and sister. God has called you. He's chosen you. Step out of the mediocrity. Step out of the fear. Step out of the comfort zone. Step out of average. Step out of that inferiority, the hopelessness, the position where you feel destitute that God has left you. He hasn't left you. Face head on whatever giant, whatever idol, whatever false God you need to face. Face that fear. Slay that giant. Press into God's presence. I've said a lot. You know, a while ago, somebody came to me and said, no, they they didn't get anything out of the service. And I said, are you serious? All these people are saying how God touched them and there's people that are saved. People are giving their life to Jesus. You're just worried about how you feel? Whether you got something out and you're disappointed, but heaven is rejoicing because people were liberated and saved? Sometimes that's the state of Christianity where it's all about how we feel and whether I got my little revelation for the day. And yet, we do nothing for the kingdom of God. When souls get saved, we couldn't care less because all we worried about is, hey, how do I feel right now? I've seen that. People have been in church for years, man. It's not who God has called us to be. Man, look at Gideon. He had to step out of his comfort zone. He had to face death to, to do what God called him to do. Yet sometimes we get trapped into mediocrity to the point where all we worry about is how do I feel? I mean, the worship wasn't that great tonight. Yes, I didn't have a, I didn't have a good worship. My hands were not up most of the time because, you know, the beat wasn't there. And that preacher, you know, he just wasn't on fire tonight. I'm going to go watch a YouTube sermon so I can get my full... That's, that's sometimes what our Christianity gets reduced to. Another YouTube sermon. That's sometimes what our Christianity gets reduced to. Another Facebook scripture. Another Instagram post and then of ourselves in a selfie in swimwear and underneath it says Jesus loves you as well. Those always got me. I never understood those, you know. Put a selfie or in under whatever, where, and then underneath is a scripture. I never got that. Still don't get it. Hey, it happens, right? That's why people are laughing. They know. <laughs> if you have no clue what I'm talking about, you're a better person. Don't go look. <laughs> you're better for it. Ignorance is bliss. 
Where are you tonight? Are you locked in that place of hopelessness, hiding away, believing that God has left you, forsaken you? Tonight, maybe you're in that place where fear has enslaved you and you know, as I've spoken, you need to face that demon of fear. You need to face that false God. You need to confront the very thing you face it and slay it, tear it down. Or maybe you're in the place tonight, you realize you've become mediocre, you've become dry, you've become average in God, lost your fire, you've lost your hunger for the Holy Spirit, you've lost your hunger for the anointing, and you need to press in to obtain the anointing that breaks the yoke, the oppression. Sometimes we get oppressed by the things in the world because it's almost like God touching our hearts saying, that's the thing. That's the very thing. Things vex our soul because it's like God sometimes puts it there to say, that's the thing I'm calling you to face, to challenge, to destroy. That's the giant. Come, withdraw yourself to me. Get in my presence. Get filled with the Holy Spirit that you can go and slay that giant. Let's stand to our feet in this place. Thank you.